There we are. All right. <clears throat> we are back. Episode 12 of the postcast. It is guestless, but it is still packed full of hot takes. You know how we do. Uh, FC Cincinnati is on a winning streak in MLS, never mind what happened on Wednesday night. Uh, Toronto, Toronto and Minnesota falling by. Uh, Is MLS media giving us a little too much praise? Hmm. Then Open Cup reactions. Everything from, uh, oof, that that defeat against New England. Uh, Our friends up in Detroit had a rough evening uh, while our old rivals in Louisville had some fun. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, won't get moved again is what I wrote down here. The Who is interacting with our our FC Cincinnati schedule. The Two team is stocking up on international talent. It's old news, but I want to touch on it. And uh, MLS media is allowed back in locker rooms. So expect to hear Dave Lapham do live radio. Uh, wandering around a locker room sometime soon. And that will be Postcast Episode 12. Oh, and joining me on this wonderful journey, uh, two contributors to the Post Cincy, uh, but not community members. We had two post this week uh, on the website from non-regular, dare I say, irregular contributors, uh, partisans in the pod wars. Uh, That was nice to see. If you want to write for the post, reach out. But in the meantime, we've got a podcast and we've got Grayson Chalmers with us. Grayson, how are we feeling tonight? Uh, I feel contrite. I feel apologetic. Um, So I'd like to just apologize to Anyone I offended by joking about Nick Hagland to the U.S. national team. Um, <laughs> I understand that there are people, usually men, who have a kind of fragile conception of reality and their experience of the world is so traumatic that they're likely to break down, you know, crying or peeing themselves if they encounter anything other than a simple literal sentence or office gif. Um, so I would like to apologize and, you know, I will do better. In the future, no, we uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate the apology, and uh, you know what, Jason Momoa kind of looks like Nick Haglin. So you know, I was with you. Yeah, I that was, was the, with you. That's the entire bit. <laughs> Brandon Vasquez looks like Superman. Jason Momoa looks like Haglin. <laughs> oh, and uh, another gentleman who I'm sure has uh, made a uh, reality-breaking meme in his day: the Chief War Pig himself. Chief, how are we feeling tonight? Well, I'm not apologizing for shit, so <laughs> apologies for assholes. I'm not doing that. Oh, love it. Uh, I did see Grayson called you a coward on Twitter. Would you like to exchange words about that right now? <laughs> Your boy forgot to tag Detroit City in a tweet, so he deleted it, went back and reposted 30 seconds later, but somebody, Johnny Fastfingers down there, decided that he needed to be on Twitter calling me out. No, I just, if I'm going to tag, like, I'm at the point now where if Detroit comes up, I'm tagging their fan base. I want the smoke. Let's do it. These people suck. They've been, they've been revealed as people that can't banter, that can't take a joke, that, like, I, I want to drag them all the time for shit now. So, yeah, if I forget to tag them, I'm going to delete my tweet and tag them. And if I get called out for that, then so be it. I'm not being a coward. I'm being a hero. I'm standing up. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I love it. Uh, we'll touch on the Open Cup in a little bit. I'm, I'm sure we have some more Detroit takes here. Uh, but we gotta talk about the biggest news heading into this week. We'll see how this news survives the weekend. But, uh, SC Cincinnati is, is not just good. They're pretty good. Like, this is a pretty good team after beating Toronto twice and then finally, finally getting a soul-crushing victory away from home against somebody else. Uh, felt good in Minnesota. Uh, I don't know, Grayson, where, where were you watching and, and how did it feel? Did you scare anybody screaming into a, into a phone or at a bar somewhere? <laughs> I was actually watching from Allianz Field at the, uh, for the Minnesota United oh, game. Oh, I yeah. completely forgot, oh, and I set I was, you up perfectly. Wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> nice. Um, so I had, a, I had a nice experience. I think it's it's probably the second nicest uh, MLS-specific stadium that I've been to. That's out of three. Uh, <laughs> nice. It, it reminds me of three. ours. It, so ours, Minnesota, then Columbus. I mean, it reminds me of ours in a lot of ways. It's smaller. They don't have, like, the second... Um, tier on the set mm. on the end opposite from the supporter section and they don't fill in the uh corners mm. but it's it's nice it feels loud uh i thought their supporter section was you know fine um they do put the <laughs> chant lyrics up on the screen casuals um which which you know, is probably nice for some people um and i will say Plastic. that i it made me um Maybe kind of look forward to a couple of years from now when FC has been good for a few seasons and you get people sitting outside of the fan section who were casual fans of the team, but like know all the names of the players and get really into it. Um, I still feel like, especially like where I sit, um, you get a lot of people who enjoy the, enjoy the experience, but you know, don't do, haven't, you know, maybe can't even name you know, all of the players on the team. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't think that's a knock on our fan base by any means. I think it's a, you know, by virtue of, of being new, having a few seasons interrupted by the pandemic and the results, I think, it's I think also, it just felt like people who have been watching MLS for, you know, maybe two seasons more than we have. But it also gets back to what we talked about with Reuter back a while ago and that, that MLS doesn't build stars. It doesn't attra- it doesn't advertise stars. I mean, even here locally in Cincinnati, I sent a tweet about this a week or two ago. It's why is Brandon Vasquez not more front and center in the marketing for this team? Why are players not more front and center for the marketing in this team? I get when the team sucked you wouldn't do that, but now like Everyone knows who the stars are, or they when they were good, they knew who the stars were on the Reds. But everybody still knows who Joey Votto is. Um, should, everybody should knows the who the stars like, of the Bengals are. FC Cincinnati yeah. and MLS in general does a bad job communicating who the players are. You should buy a jersey for, and who you should be going to the the, the stadium to root for. So that that raises a, good, a question: Like, should the team be jumping more aggressively on Vasquez to the national team? Absolutely, yes. This yes, is, right. To me, they, like Vasquez, the national team, it's like when the Reds are, are vote Reds for the All-Star game. The national team is kind of like yeah, the All-Star yes. team for Americans. Get behind it. I would love it if the social media person, the new woman they hired at FCC, if she started Vasquez to U.S. national team. Like, start the hashtag whenever he does anything. What's it going to hurt? What are you going to do, piss Greg with two Gs off? Who gives a fuck? If that bald-headed weirdo is mad at our team, that's the least of our concerns. Get this kid some pub. 
You know what? You know what would make him more likely to sign a contract here? Is if the team is out there raising his profile so that people know who he is. So that when he does an appearance for Jeff Weiler or does an appearance for somebody, that like he can make some money fucking doing that. The team should absolutely be doing yes. that. Yes. Yeah. It's not it's not unlike uh, colleges, universities doing like Heisman campaigns for their guy. Like even if they're not, you know, the the lock on that you know they're they're still out there campaigning. They're pushing. They're they're putting their guy front and center, and players respond to that and respect that. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also think Lucho should probably be a star they build around because I I do think Vasquez is young enough that if he if he is as good as advertised, he's probably moving on. But conceivably, this is Lucho's final big gig, unless he wants to do a farewell career tour in Argentina. He could play the rest of his career here in Cincinnati, build around him. So that would be great. Yeah, he's a likable dude, family guy, son of a bitch on the field. Vasquez is young. He's, I think he's dual citizen, Mexico, United States, um, striker, scores goals, got a hell of a story coming here where he came as an expansion draft trade, you know, never had quality minutes until he, until this year, really. I mean, that's, that's some shit this city rallies behind the, the plucky underdog who wasn't handed everything, wasn't the first round draft pick. I mean, this is a city that fell in love with Ryan fucking Friel on the Reds. Like, we love guys that try real hard, come from humble backgrounds, and succeed in spite of more money and more draft status ahead of them. Vasquez, a a hero in Cincinnati, makes all the goddamn sense in the world. And I get it's hard to... We were talking off the air about, like, what would he be worth to sell him right now? But... I get that it's hard in MLS to commit to guys when you don't know what their career trajectory is, but Vasquez, especially with your point with Lucho, where he's an MLS lifer at this point, fucking build around them. Make make kids in Cincinnati want to wear Lucho's number on their youth soccer team or Vasquez's number on their youth soccer team. That's 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 basic sports marketing shit that MLS just needs to get better at. So that raises... So I, I was... I was kind of toying with a couple of questions in my head that I thought made sense uh, after talking about the games, but you guys both hit on these these points. Um, you know, one, I think Vasquez is in a contract year, um, according to Laurel's roster tracker. I don't know what the option situation might be. And then right. two, um, what what would it look like to trade him within like what's a fair number to trade him within the league or um frankly outside outside the league is probably the more likely scenario but or, or here's a fucking question if he keeps this pace up what's a contract look like for him here right that's what i mean yeah well it was, it was yeah. that was question one like what's a good let's say he has 20 goals and like four or five assists at the end of the season and you know what's a what's a number it it sucks because he can't be a DP like just right. Brenner's in the way. So you would have to you'd have to offload Brenner. But I don't know if you would give him a DP spot even if it was open. So you'd have to look at basically Kubo's contract is probably what you would be looking to pay him. But keep in mind he's only done this for a third of one season. Like 
I'd want to see at least one year, maybe more. And at that point, I'd be tempted to shop him in Liga MX. He's got the passport. It's hard, and you don't see it often, MLS to Liga MX transfers because uh, not unlike the U.S., they have their domestic player requirements, and it's it's harder to get guys there without visas and, and without citizenship, but he's already got that. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know what Club Tijuana's striker uh, situation is, but he played in their youth academy. So if they're willing to spend 4 or $5 million on a guy who could potentially be playing for the Mexican national team in the future, that might net you more gam than you'll get in the league right now. I don't know the exact ratios, but I think once you start getting around 5 or $6 million in an external transfer fee, it starts coming about to about $2 million gam. So. So we're all in agreement now. that it's it's weird in this league that there's not a bird rule. Like in the NBA, where if you've got a guy that's your guy that you want to go way over the cap for in order to keep, whereas a guy you drafted, there's mechanisms in place to keep one of your people there long term. It, it feels weird that, that in this league, with all their weird arbitrary salary rules, that you could get a guy that comes of age in your program, um, on your team, and there's not some weird MLS salary rule that says, okay, you've already got three DPs, but you have the option to keep a fourth guy that's your homegrown guy, your hometown guy, your guy that the fans identify with that have watched his career or something like that. That's that's fucked up in a league with this many strange salary so slots, right? You. No, that's a great point, and I don't know if they have eventually codified this or if it's still some sort of weird nebulous rule, but that's what they did with Jordan Morris in Seattle. They came up with a way for him to basically be a high TAM guy but have so much of it not count towards the cap because of that. They gave it like some special homegrown designation something 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 i don't know if anybody else has gotten that i don't know if they've changed the rules since then but they absolutely have done this on one-off cases before <laughs> look at a certain extent like carl linder and should just go to the ms board of governors in one of these cases and say change the rules for us they change the yeah. rules for like if beckham shows up they change the fucking rules if Miami wants an extra dp they change the fucking rules if jordan morris needs to stay in seattle they change the rules Shit, we should try that with Kenneth Vermeer. Can we just get his contract off the book and just have Carl say we want the a, a, an additional one-time sell this guy off or get rid of this guy rule? We should try this. It feels like they make rules up for everybody else. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um. So if you trade a if you transfer a player outside the league who's not a DP or U twenty two, you can only get a maximum of about one point one million gam. Mm, that's what it is. So, okay. and Albright's made the comment, you know, allocation money is worth more than owner money. So, not wrong. You know, if you could, if you could get five, six million from a Mexican team, or you could get two million or something from a MLS team, the second one is much more valuable from a roster standpoint. Right. Oh. You just have to have owners who are willing to, you know, forego that extra revenue which i mean there may be a situation where he comes to <coughs> carl and says i need you to eat brenner's contract and the reason why i'm gonna let you eat brenner's contract is i found a deal for vasquez that's worth five million dollars in mexico 
where owner money is more important than GAM because it also brings a DP contract back on the books for you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't I, I I hate the fact we're talking about losing Vasquez, but fuck, like you gotta think this way with MLS. The these assets and it goes back to what the idea about we don't market stars in this league. It's because you always have to be thinking with the good ones, what's the next move for these guys? Because we got to churn the roster through and we can't keep them all. Yeah. Yeah. So Cruz and comes the, off the books this year, right? Cruz and Vermeer, I think, both and come Vermeer. off the books this year. I so, think. So, you know, give him, give him Cruz's money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's a couple of guys on this team who are making – who have a contract that probably makes more sense for Vasquez to have than for them. Um, yeah, Kubo was the other one there. Um, dare, dare I bring this all the way back, but yeah. uh, Grayson, what was the vibe in the stadium like when FC Cincinnati scored that goal? Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, it deflated. Like, immediately, oh. immediately people got up out of their seats to walk out. Oh, I um. <laughs> I, I went with my wife and my sister and um my and my sister and I both, you know, kind of let out quick cheers and then quickly contained our 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 excitement. <laughs> yeah, that's a goal um, right there where you fear for your personal safety if you get too excited about what's going on. That's you gotta think you gotta think fourth dimensionally on your celebration with that one, I think. <laughs> but I've I did decide in my head. So I was at the seven to one game. Right. And we got killed, obviously, in that first game. Um, but that was a miserable season overall. Like that team was like that team was losing ga- other games like five nothing. There was that right. five two game against NYCFC where none of the seven goals were scored by an FC Cincinnati player because <laughs> there were two own goals. So, you know, okay, like, yeah, you kicked our ass. While we're, you know, uh, we're, we're like, uh, flopping around on the ground and you come over and smack us in the head with a, with a, with a bat, like, yeah, you owned us, <laughs> but it's, I think it's much more devastating for them, for us to walk into their stadium, uh, beat them on the XG, get more opportunities and steal in the third minute of extra time. A victory, their yeah. first home like, loss that's a, in like fifteen that's a matches gut punch. too. Yeah, and they're and they got expectations for their team. Yeah, and they're They've losing at home team. to FC Cincinnati. Yeah, it was funny reading uh, their subreddit uh, after that loss that everybody was was commenting. Oh my god, this is a low point. They're all they're all asking to fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Their manager, like, I can't believe he lost to Cincinnati. And I was so tempted, but I, I restrained myself just wanting to comment every time. No, but we're actually good this year. It's okay. <laughs> you can lose to this team. <laughs> but wasn't that the most fun part about that was that, fuck, it felt real good to be on the other end of one of those for a change. Like, how many games have you yes. watched this team just spit the bit in the last five minutes of the game or in stoppage time, and you think we're playing well, we're going to eke out a draw, or we're going to win, and all of a sudden somebody else comes charging back down the sidelines, crosses a ball in, it bounces four times, and we get fucked. And it felt so, so good to be on the other end of that and just watch the happiness drain out. I was watching on my phone at a professional wrestling show because I'm cool that way. Um 
And the <laughs> shot that they go to right after the goal is scored is people getting up in the stands and leaving. And God damn it, that was just directly into my veins. Watching other people be miserable for a change after the amount of misery I've spent, wa- I've su- suffered watching this team, that was awesome. There should be a German word for how much I enjoyed the misfortune of everyone else involved in this whole fucking thing. That was great. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I, I had the exact same feeling. You know, I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching in my, uh, in my bedroom. I'm, I'm cool like that. I've got an Apple TV, but I've got it synced to my my earbuds so i don't uh i don't wake up the whole house and uh, yeah i definitely i know i know i definitely jumped up and and started screaming though which t- defeated the purpose of the whole setup but um <laughs> no that was <laughs> that, that was an incredible feeling and yeah it was nice to see i mean Jonah brought it up on Knife Line Radio. There weren't other options, but it was nice seeing the Calvin Harris uh, sub for uh, Jeff Cameron, I think it was, to uh, to go for the win, to really push for it, and to get it, and for that to pay off. That was incredible. That felt like just something we haven't seen since like the John Harks here in USL. Like This team like had going a killer for a instinct. Win? trying to not be satisfied with just a a scoreless draw that we're going to go try and win this game with a goal and it was a perfect fc cincinnati 2022 blueprint game we didn't have a ton of the ball the possession numbers got a little better in the second half than they were in the first half but when we had it we were direct i think we had the better scoring chances of everyone overall in the game i think what vast that the game vasquez hit the post in the first half on a sort of 1v1 situation they're all blurring together at this point but when we had the ball, we were direct with it. We looked threatening. The counterattack, I want to touch on this a little bit. This team looks deadly on the counterattack. They've got a lot of guys now. Moboto um, is one. Moreno is another one. Acosta is a third. Baji as well. Of guys who are good at getting the ball and turning directly up route one. And... They don't yep. pass backwards. They don't pass sideways. When they get the ball in transition, they are looking to create an immediate scoring opportunity. And there were multiple times in this game where we created instant offense out of absolutely nothing. And we probably could have scored at least two, three goals in transition in this game where I think there was one where a Minnesota defender was in the maybe the 50th minute, 60th minute, stuck a leg out, and that was the only thing that prevented a ball going through. That would have been a direct 1v1 with the keeper, and it was a bailout bit of defending. But this team has a real, real killer instinct when it comes to getting the ball and moving the ball in transition. I fucking love it. I think they're going to score a shitload of goals as this season goes on as they get a little better synced up with their timing, and they start playing some lesser opponents like that, that same game plan against a team like Chicago, they may score two or three goals on the counter against a bad team like that. I really can't wait to see it happen. Yeah, I was just to say, as far as opportunities, I took I took a few notes down. There's Vasquez made a nice move in the box to set up a shot from Lucho at the top that um, St. Clair had to save. It was kind of a tough save. Vasquez hit the post. Um, Lucho had that through ball to Brenner that was real nasty. Yes. Yeah. Between the two defenders. And St. Clair's uh, foot just kind of caught it. It was it was through his legs, and his his back foot just kind of caught it. Um, and then uh, Barriel had that shot from around the edge of the box that St. Clair also had to 
had to save. I mean, um, I I forget what the exact number was, but we had a pretty we had a pretty high um, post shot xg. Like St. Clair had a had a had a nice game. Yeah, and just to combine that point with uh, something we'll probably touch on in the Open Cup, but uh, heavily rumored that uh, Dane St. Clair was offered to FC Cincinnati last year, and we took Kenneth Vermeer. So, nice. Fuck. <laughs> Feels good. good. You know what? The, the, the chair, the, the, if you had to put a bow on the Minnesota game, to me, that was another game where that feels like a MLS – we went into an opposing team stadium that probably was slightly more talented than we were, where they played well at home, and we just we we stole a result. And there was nothing fluky about it. It wasn't a bad bounce that saved us. There wasn't a lot of bailout defending that we had to do where we were under siege the entire game. That just felt like we went on the road and we won a business-like game. And it's been a long fucking time since we've seen a team do that where they we just played well and we outplayed a team on the road it's kind of cool feels good yeah and it Um, wasn't toronto which means we've proven we can beat somebody besides toronto that's kind of exciting (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice development no it was uh it was very funny seeing uh fc cincinnati immediately skyrocket up everybody's uh (laughs) power rankings uh doyle wrote uh a column suggesting we are one of the, I don't know, whatever it was, six or seven teams that are most likely to win the CONCACAF Champions League next after Seattle. was like, okay, okay, okay. Hang All on. right, back I'm, off. I'm coming back around off. to the idea that we're overrated now, but hang on. <laughs> <laughs> what a change of pace. Right, right. It's like, I, I like this, but uh, let's not let it go to our heads. Um, cool. Uh, we're ready to talk a little Open Cup in the, uh, in the old part two. Let's do it. part two get your skeleton gloves on uh, we're talking <laughs> open cup baby hot topic uh, gift certificates all around yes yes um, i i feel like we do have to start with the new england game uh fc cincinnati loses do we have to i, I mean i just want to touch on on one point very quickly uh which is uh one we lose five to one which is the same score the uh richmond kickers who are actually a usl league one team if you weren't paying attention uh lost to charlotte uh is it league one to count the number of fans they have that show up to their games it was it was actually i will give richmond full credit they packed their stadium or at least the side with the cameras yes all all 1200 of them (laughs) looked like they were having a blast um at, at city stadium there um no, I've been thinking this whole time that our depth is surprisingly good, that we have a really good deep squad that knows the game plan, and that's why we've been so successful. But this game has me rethinking that point. Grayson, what's your thought on the depth coming out of this game? I mean, I've, I, always, I already thought our depth wasn't great going into the game, which is why I supported the full rotation. Um, I think... With the so Jim Curtin had that comment a couple of weeks ago where he's like, you know, the, the numbers show that if you rotate more than four guys, you're likely to lose. Um, mm. I don't know what the numbers show, but that seems like the type of thing that you shouldn't need like numbers and stats to know because presumably the person you're rotating in is worse 
than the person who's your regular <laughs> starter. So if you rotate in more worse players, your team is not going to be as good as it would be hmm. if you just used all of your starters. Okay, now that that makes almost too much sense, and I'm suspicious there, of it. Some John Madden, Madden right there. Now, it, it, there's there's a little bit of Animal Farm to this that that not all depth is created equal, and I think this team does have good depth. The problem is, is that they don't have a lot of depth at a couple really, really key positions. And so I think that was on display here. They don't have a replacement for Lucio Acosta. We saw that last year that as bad as this team was last year, they were so much fucking worse when Lucio couldn't be out there on a game. They have no one that replicates his skill set, moving the ball from the midfield to the offense. They really don't have a backup for Moreno either. Moreno was signed as almost like a placeholder to get a better player, but they had absolutely no one on the roster that was a um, Moreno-type player. The closest person they would have to that would be Yuya Kubo, and he was hurt, so he didn't play in this game. They don't really have a replacement for Nuoboto. Nuoboto, I'm going to get that right eventually. And these are all guys that didn't play. And so what you ended up with was you ended up with uh, the midfield from the Night Camp era, the back line from the Nye Camp era, the goalkeeper from the Nye Camp era, and then a academy player up top and a super draft pick attempting to fill in for Lucho, even though he's a striker. We had Nye Camp's team out there, and we got Nye Camp era results out of this. It's there's good depth on this team. Like I think that um, you know, in most cases, Tyler Blackett, Jeff Cameron, Ian Murphy, Nick Hagland, the four of them. You can put some pairing of them out there, and I think that you're going to be okay at center back with some combination of them. Um, I think that in in stretches, I think Barrial can be useful. I think in stretches, Zico Bailey can maybe be useful. I think Isaac Atanga has forgotten how to play soccer. I don't understand that. That's fucked up for the amount of money we're paying him. But I think the depth is okay. I just think that you can't take an MLS team, drop all the DPs out, and drop all your midfielders out. That's basically a US an MLS team without DPs is a USL team. It's a really good USL team. And we rolled a really good USL team out there and we got absolutely curb stomped for it. So I think that is fine. I just don't think you can pull that much talent out of a team and still expect it to be competitive with a remotely competent MLS side. Yeah, and it wasn't just the rotation. I mean, guys were out of position. Yeah. Because there's a lot of guys that there's a lot of positions that we are one deep at. I mean, we're yeah, one Mark deep Kanek at right back. Yeah, Mark Kanek is a striker. He's not a midfielder. Yeah. And Zico has exclusively played on the right side of the field his career and was our left back in this game. And Kenneth um, Vermeer is I think he played terrible. left back like one game last year. Yeah. yeah. And Vermeer's not great. <laughs> so it's like I look at this game and it's, is our depth bad? Yeah, our depth is bad if the entire depth is playing. But if you have to plug a guy in here and there, I think we've got – good depth at a lot of positions. I just, to me, it, it, it emphasized a, just how fucking bad the night camp roster was. Cause there's a lot of guys that were playing last night that were projected starters this year under yes. Gerard Nightcamp. Um, Barrial projected starter, Zico Bailey projected starter, Blackett, Cameron, Vermeer. These are all guys that he was thinking coming into next, this year would be pl- getting regular minutes and, Albright and Noonan looked at that shit and were like, no moss on that. 
we're not going to do that again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's, you, you can't, you got a free preview of why shit was, would have been bad this year under the old regime and why shit was bad last year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I was trying to draft this up. What our starting lineup, if Nykamp had got to continue, this year would have looked like. And it would have been a 4-3-3 with your attacking three being Bariel, Brenner, and Atanga, Acosta, Kubo, and probably a new signing in the midfield, and Blackett, Cameron, your starting center backs in front of Kenneth Vermeer. And that is, with the exceptions of Brenner and Kubo, what we rolled out with last night. It it didn't look good at all. Um and, What's the deal yeah. with the Tanga, by the way? Like, does anyone have a take on that? Because he has been <laughs> terrible. He looked terrible in the uh, in the first Open Cup game against Pittsburgh. He looked terrible in yeah. this game. And I I don't watch a lot of the two games, but I've I've been told by people who do that he doesn't look great there either. We're paying a shitload yeah. of money for this guy. Yeah, yeah. So Sports Illustrated has a podcast now about the Yips. So maybe mm. he should listen to the Yips, but. <laughs> yeah i mean new culture doesn't catch on doesn't get along well with maybe stom or at least this new coaching staff gets demoted is demoralized i mean it sucks but it's i don't know professional sports is weird and fleeting and and guys who were supposed to be the next big thing end up having weird careers in usl and other guys break out and and turn into starting strikers for the u.s men's national team i mean it's a feather in the cap for albright when you think about it just how much dead money there is on this roster that we're getting nothing out of we're getting nothing out of vermeer we're getting nothing out of alan cruz we're getting nothing out of isaac atanga to date, we're getting really nothing out of Brenner. I understand that like the XG loves him a little bit, but not producing. I mean, there's a really haven't gotten a lot out of Yuya Kubo this year either. He's been hurt, and when he's been on the field, he's been okay. But I mean, there's a shitload of money on this team where you're looking at it and the results you're getting for your investment is are minimal to nothing. Yeah, so the XG actually likes Brenner a lot a bit. He's currently <laughs> he's currently second in MLS in Expected goals and expected assists per 90 minutes behind sure, but that, 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 it's uh, Toddy Castellanos. Like your, it's kind of like your point about GAM. It's nice to have GAM, but a bag of GAM on the field can't defend and can't score goals. It's nice to have the XG that loves you, but the XG doesn't win games. G wins games. and so I, I, I don't want to get into a Brenner fight right now because he didn't do anything this week. But I, I think it's fair to say that even, even you, Grayson, would admit he hasn't provided any value in terms of actual on-field results, much like Atanga, much like um, the other guys we were talking about. It, it's just, it's, to me, I'm, I'm, this is less a knock on Brenner and more a, a praise of Albright and Noonan, Noonan especially, that we're getting, we, we, we have a, we're 500, we're 5-5-1, five, five and one, I think, right now in league play. Yeah. And we're doing that with so much money just not contributing to the results that are being produced right now, which is wild to me. Well, Brennan did have an assist against LAFC, and he was robbed of an assist against Toronto. <laughs> I think Vasquez no, also blocked a shot, too, where, so i got to give him credit for that, probably. Where nobody was off that. Oh, yeah, you also forgot about Vasquez sabotaging him. Right. <laughs> Stay woke, Vasquez. Vasquez and Brenner, the, the simmering rivalry. Oh. So but, you know, he seems like he's getting into dangerous positions. Yeah, he hasn't finished. He's straight up, straight up hasn't finished. But 
one of the ways to evaluate whether a striker is doing well is is he is he getting in dangerous positions and is he getting in chances because you kind of think there's going to be some regression to the mean. Um, I think like I think Vasquez might even be underperforming his his underlying numbers, which um, yes, he is. So we also don't let Vasquez yeah. take penalties either, which would rocket him to the top of the goal sheet too. I would like to wild. see him take one, I think, because he has a little bit of power behind his kick and. Lucha has not impressed me. I just want to see what it looks like, honestly. (laughs) Maybe he's great and we just don't know. Or maybe he's terrible and he's begged them not to take him. He goes full (laughs) Josu right over the bar. (laughs) It it would be – I am – part of the reason why I'm I'm very optimistic for this year, but I'm super optimistic for next year is like we were talking about earlier. Vermeer's contract goes off the books. I think he's making something close to $600,000. 700,000 this year. It's an absurd number that he's on for this year. And I I heard from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone that when Nightcamp sold this to management, Nightcamp was either unaware or might have misrepresented the fact that Vermeer's contract was still up this year, that he still had another year on his deal. Either way, there were people on the coaching staff and in the front office that were caught off guard when Vermeer showed up and MLS sent him the paperwork and, oh, by the way, you're paying his salary next year. And I think Cruz is off the books next year, too. Another gift from the Nightcamp era, we inexplicably gave him a huge raise and bid against ourselves to pay him more money. And that's a lot of resources we're going to have to work with next year where we're getting a fat zero out of it right now on the on the depth chart. So that's right. exciting so even, to me. Even if you use some of that to pay Brandon Vasquez a raise... Um, there should be a substantial, substantial chunk left over. And I, I mean, not not necessarily open cup talk, but I think this is also good if you're looking for ownership to continue to spend. That Noonan and Albright's regime has done well with what they have. That I think you'd be confident in handing them tens of millions of dollars to go rebuild this team as opposed to Nycamp and maybe you you bring in this next group of guys after Nycamp and things start off slow you're probably not handing them over five six seven million dollars to go out and buy a new DP um so that's got to feel good um one thing I've loved though uh I don't know if they did this on Tuesday but they definitely did it on Wednesday um Changing gears here. Uh, ESPN hosted an Open Cup whip around show for the first time, I think, in the history of the Open Cup. And my God, was it so needed. It was everything I have ever wanted out of the Open Cup. Um, <clears throat> the guys from uh, Football America hosted. They just brought in on Zoom like their old buddies they used to play with. Peter Vermees was in there. Ben Olsen was on there. Um, some good names, and they would just kind of cut to goals as they happened. My God, it was so good. Um, would really love to see that in the uh, in the amateur rounds in, in the next few years. Cause, gosh, I'd love to see it on ESPN proper. Put it on right. TV. Or have, or Fox, maybe Fox Sports bids on it the next go-around, and it's on FS1. I think, like I saw a little bit of it, but to me, this was screaming for the Manning cast treatment where you get a couple mm-hmm. of old head, you know, I didn't even, I wouldn't even care if Alexi Lawless was the person doing it. I don't care who it is, but get a couple of old <laughs> head pros and have them rotate in guests coming in. You talk a little bit about whatever game is going on right there. Tell your open cup stories. 
Um, go live if a goal is happening. Because the commentary on these games are fucking terrible. Like, they're yeah. bad. It's it's amateur hour on that shit. But I, I think that that's something where if you're going to expend any resources in the Open Cup as ESPN, put that on TV. Because if it's a, if it's a whip around, you can go to commercial whenever you want. Because who cares? You know, you can... Yep. You can go to picture in picture for commercials. You can have interesting people come on. It's you're not tied to one specific game. You can show highlights as you go along. I think that that's to me. I mean, I know soccer doesn't do American soccer doesn't do numbers right now. We saw FC Cincinnati draw a hundred thousand <laughs> viewers for the LAFC game the other day. But shit, the whip around is such an easy concept. I love it to death. I mean, fuck, it's awesome. Yes. The the NFL red zone has proven that that would be successful. And then, again, combine the NCAA fixed bracket, give give the lower division team the right of first refusal for hosting so they can take that gate money if they want it or if they can't get a stadium, they can go elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, like build this into a thing. I would absolutely love it. Um, and, we uh, talk we, Detroit. We're going to talk Detroit now? Yeah, I was going to say we can't get out of an I Open Cup segment without bringing this up. Okay, so I, I want to set the stage here very quickly because I've been asked you know, in text messages and DMs, can you explain what this Detroit City situation is? And I'm going to do my best to explain it here plainly, and then we can roast them afterwards. As far as I can tell, uh, Detroit City FC's team has always had a rule that you cannot bring profanity into the stadium on uh, printed uh, like merchandise, like t-shirts and scarves, and on banners. However, the team has never enforced that and really has not had no reason to enforce it. Now that Detroit is in USL Championship, more and more games are on ESPN and big ESPN. They, they make it to ESPN and ESPN2 every once in a while, and they're on ESPN+. And apparently... Some fans were going to these games or watching these games on TV and weren't thrilled with the number of F-bombs being put on the broadcast. And so the club had to reiterate their rule. And Detroit City supporters got upset about this, complained that it was censorship, complained wait, that on, it hold was... hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, yes, wait, wait, one second. Please. Detroit City's fans got upset? I know. I know. Oh, they got mad about something. That seems so out of character for them. Sorry, continue, continue. <laughs> no, they're usually very positive, happy people. Um... They decided that this was actually U.S. soccer that was trying to suppress their their free speech here for their profanity and implied profanity, uh, which is one of the phrases used there. Um, then, after being grilled uh, and roasted for a couple of days on Twitter, uh, Detroit City actually pivoted, their, the Northern Guard fans, I should say, pivoted and said it was actually because they were forced to take down a free Palestine slogan and banner from their uh from their stadium and then it turns out the guy who actually painted that banner said that the local jewish community wasn't thrilled with the particular word apartheid on their banner and they worked it out and they came up with a slightly uh different slogan so that they could still get their message out there but they didn't quite quite use uh the inflammatory language that the jewish community wasn't happy with and that was all the individual who made that banner and took it down and put it back up but the northern guard supporters groups i I guess thought that this was being suppressed 
by the club and by U.S. soccer when it wasn't, but they had to use it as a convenient excuse there uh, to explain why they were upset with censorship. And so during their Open Cup match, they did a five-minute silent protest as well as had all of their banners with an amusing little censored banner over top of it and then saying, U.S. soccer will not censor us. Um this this was the most absurd thing ever, and uh, Chief, you wrote about this this week. So, what post Open Cup? Now they're they're out of the tournament. Louisville beat them in penalties. Uh, what's what's the take on on uh, Detroit now? The take is is just that they're the most absurd story in soccer in North America. They remain just the most absurd thing going. I mean, everything about this team is and this fan base is 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 fake. They they hold themselves up at these paragon of authenticity, and they're all fake. They're all assholes. Um, if you scroll back not too far in the Northern Guards timeline, it was fuck USL. USL is corporate yep. soccer. Um, we're never going to leave the NPSL where our team benefits from unpaid players, uh, college kids that were playing while they charge us full ticket prices and we pay full ticket prices. I'd love to know where all that money was going. Um, mm-hmm. and it was all, it was fuck USL, USL and, and some and USF and all this Ted Westervelt bullshit about open leagues. And then they get an opportunity to join USL when they get a secret owner who we still don't fucking know the identity of. There is a 33% <laughs> ownership stake of Detroit city FC that is undisclosed. And if you question any of their fan base about it, they say he prefers to remain anonymous, like some fucking dark money Coke brothers bullshit. Um, and <laughs> It's just, they're the biggest bunch of fucking hypocrites. And what this showed, and I I wrote about it and I I got dragged on MLS Reddit and I got loved on USL Reddit for it because (laughs) MLS didn't have to deal with these wank jobs, is that they don't even like soccer. They just like showing up at the stadium and singing and doing their own thing. They like setting smoke bombs off. They 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 like being the center of fucking attention. They're like... If you're a, this is my second pro wrestling reference of the night. If you're a pro wrestling fan, the biggest night on the pro wrestling calendar is is we used to be any before the WWF started to suck was the Raw after WrestleMania, where it was like all the hardcore fans flying for WrestleMania. They stay till Monday and they show up at Monday Night Raw, and it's people from around the world. It's the hardest core fan base of of professional wrestling, and they're lit, they're fun, they're drunk. But then at a certain point. It became such a meme to be at the Raw after WrestleMania that the fan base started to go into business for themselves. And they were there to create a scene. They weren't there for wrestling anymore. They were there to be the fans at the Raw after WrestleMania. So instead of watching the match, they'd chant about beach balls. They'd chant for wrestlers who were dead or who weren't going to show up. And they weren't there to enhance the performance or be fans. They were there to get on TV and do their own act on TV to be part of the Raw after WrestleMania. That's what Detroit City is. They don't care about soccer. They're not a supporters club. If they were a supporters club and they were supporting the players, they would have insisted on them being paid for years, number one. And if they were really supporting their club, they would want to be working with their club to say, okay, you're having trouble with profanity. Is this hurting your TV revenue? Is this making it hard for you to be on broadcast TV? Is this making you a bad partner for the league and helping you grow? Okay, what can we do 
to do our thing and have fun and support the team while also not making life harder for you. But they don't care. They give the double bird and it's fuck everyone because all they care about is being allowed to go to the game and put on their fucking show. And I understand that there's a segment of our fan base well, I'm not going to name names, who thinks that's what the Bailey is all about, and the Bailey is sort of this better and holier-than-thou fan base that only cares about doing Bailey things. Look at Detroit, because that's what that looks like. What you yeah. think is happening in Cincinnati, that's what it looks like in Detroit. It's supporters not mad about the performance on the field, not mad about... Um, about what their club is doing in terms of how it's growing. No, they're mad that the club is telling them they can't have as much fun as they want and they can't put on the show that they want uh, to amuse themselves and get themselves over. So they're frauds. They suck. They're not funny. <laughs> their banter is terrible. They pivot and make everything uh, about themselves as a victim. And I've already given them too much of my airtime and too much of my voice this week. So fuck them. I, I, I love the fact that they're absurd. And I, I hope they continue to enjoy fighting amongst themselves and being mad that they can't put on their spooky skeleton glove routine and their smoke routine on a regular basis while they pretend to be <laughs> fucking soccer fans. So fuck them. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I, I will say it does make me wish other MLS fan bases were as fun. Maybe not annoying and, and sanctimonious and self-righteous, but you know, they're fun to poke at. They're they're active. They're out there. Um I miss that. <laughs> like I wouldn't even know who to go after when we play Charlotte or whatever. Like I don't know. Ryan Bailey is an employee of theirs and does podcasts. <laughs> like, am I gonna like tweet mean things I, at him? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just it's it's MLS. Like they told us MLS would be sterilized when we moved up here, and they're not wrong about that. I mean, can you name any any person in any MLS fan base other than Morgan <coughs> Hughes, who the man no. who single handedly saved soccer in Columbus? Anyone else? <laughs> no. I mean, I don't versus have all anything. the people in Louisville that we knew on a first name basis, or that one dude at, from Richmond that used to chirp me when I'd make fun of their attendance. <laughs> or the uh, the Steel City Army. Uh, I think it was a fan podcast that was yeah. all about throwing shade from Pittsburgh. Hell yeah! I mean, shit. We got back into the Louisville City thing a little bit because they were playing Detroit, and it, there was a lot of all the cast characters were coming out of the woodwork. You know, Michael Baldwin, USL memes. There was the one guy, Matthew Ballard, where I would just yes. make fun of him for spelling Matthew wrong the entire time. <laughs> Whenever he'd tweet, I'd just say Matthew spelled with two T's. Man, you're spelling it wrong. And it just it pissed him the fuck off, man. And I I missed that. It was fun oh ballard threatened to sue i think our entire fan base for uh using his photo of gb biting now <laughs> as proof that he didn't bite him uh as copyright infringement because we were posting it on twitter that was awesome <laughs> grayson thinks i wasted too much time with detroit city this week so oh i don't give a shit about this i don't give a shit about <laughs> detroit city <laughs> I don't give a shit about about supporter group drama. I don't give a shit about like who's got good and bad uh, Bailey ideas, except to like kind of make fun of it sometimes. Uh, but I do think that I do think there was something in there that I think was. I mean, I, I don't like I said I don't care about most of it, but there was one point that I think was was absolutely like spot on, which is like, what what are you doing this for? Are right. you a fan of a soccer team 
or are you just a dude who shows up at a place with a bunch of forced friends because you didn't have anywhere else to be and all you care about is you know being the center center of attention and i did touch on this in depriding guard chapter two (laughs) (laughs) Um, it always comes back to the fucking fanfic i love it where our main character says i'm a supporter not a fan supporters sing we chant we march we drum but we don't watch the game i've never watched the game we are the game and that's like kind of the attitude a lot of people have and like i don't know i guess people get mad at me for whatever reason but like i don't see how people just don't understand like all i want to do is like mess around online and you know support a soccer team and you know i don't know whatever yeah no i yeah I, I there's do, like a vaguely there's like a vaguely starship troopers thing it's like no i'm not i'm a citizen i served <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i do love that point chief that uh d d the northern guard i should say i don't want to paint detroit city with such a broad brush the the northern guard is what the bailey and maybe even specifically the pride is constantly accused of and it's so funny having been on the inside of the uh the the machine of the pride and how much we've tried to stamp that out and prevent super fans and prevent you know large personalities dominating the bailey and and trying to shut down costume characters becoming the face of the the fan base or people Um, just take themselves too fucking seriously it's fucking soccer you know this is fun it's supposed to be fun this is like this is a heavy topic for the postcast i get it and we promised we were not going to go as long this week because we don't have a fucking guest because we all fell down on our booking duties this week but fuck it's soccer it doesn't need to mean something all the goddamn time it doesn't yes. need to have some higher purpose all the goddamn time. Everything you do at a soccer game doesn't need to be in support of this or for this cause or to make sure that we're, we're representing this. Sometimes, this is fucking crazy, you can show up to the game and just watch fucking soccer. And you can yeah. sing some fucking songs and you can <laughs> clap when appropriate and you can, you can call the ref an asshole or whatever you want to do, but it doesn't need to be some big thing. But life is going to go on. I know this is this is maybe a political hot take. Life is going to go on if you're not allowed to display your apartheid flag at a sporting event one time. I'm sorry, but that flag it, right? is not changing anything fucking material. Um, right. And the most fun I've had participating at a game was when we all went to the Open Cup game against Pittsburgh. And Kenny Arena got up to sub in Kubo, and I just started yelling "Kenny, Kenny Arena," until he until he acknowledged it and kind of smirked and looked up to the stands. That was that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> was that before Kenny! or after you created your own rosé by mis- mixing a glass of red and a glass of white wine from the bar? Uh, that was definitely after. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it it's supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun, even though the te- even when the team sucks. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to drink. You're supposed to enjoy the game. If you don't love soccer and like, or at least like soccer, if you don't like being a part of a live sporting event, if you're going because we have to sing our songs and we have to drum and we have to support our way and we've got to make sure that we've got a flag for this or a banner for that, it's like fucking hell, man. Just chill out. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. Do yep. do an edible. 
go buy a PlayStation. Do something just to calm the fuck down before you go to the game, man. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a holy war all the goddamn time. And you're not winning extra points for your team. You're not winning extra favors for your players. You're not more beloved because you're doing things the capital R right fucking way. Nobody cares. <laughs> Fuck, calm down. No, no I, I, I completely agree with you. No, uh, the banner, by the way, um, yeah, without anything attached to it is uh, literally, and I know this is a charged word, literally virtue signaling. So I don't I don't know how you get around that if it's just, these are my virtues. Allow me to indicate I, them to you. I, I got too deep into this. And I, I found the guy on Twitter who made the banner, and like he goes on a tirade, a 15-post thread, talking about how hurt he is, and then follows it up an hour later with one of those cryptic AIM away messages. I'm just so devastated, I don't know how to move on right now. It's a fucking banner, man, for a minor league soccer team. Calm down. There's like a thousand he, ways you can make a difference in the world beyond hanging a banner you painted in your garage. Fucking hell. Like, you know what I thought was fun? I thought Abby's post about the handbags was fun. Oh my god! Let's touch <laughs> on that I... in part three. Let's get at it. Let's get out of the open cup and let's let's touch on some fun stuff in part three. Part three. We escape another long political diatribe by the postcast. Just <laughs> just by the skin of our teeth. Man, we were so close. I think we were on the verge of solving uh, Israel-Palestine if we let that go too long. Uh, no, this this is going to be a lot funnier out of context when you cut all that in the editing process. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm leaving it and then let people try to figure out where we were actually going with that. Um, I think I have... I've got at least one book on it behind me here. Um, no, part three. Let's let's talk about a couple of things here. One, Grayson, you mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Abby hit us with some some hard hitting journalism this week. And again, we had two community members feel compelled to write. That is how you know. FC Cincinnati is doing well. People come out of the woodwork. They want to write. They want to talk about things. I love it. Um, no, the handbag article was incredible. That was so good. <laughs> so I, I just want for people listening. I know they're called dop kits. Yeah, it's funnier to call them handbags. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, what I most appreciated about Abby's article, and I, I don't want to spoil it because I, it's, it's well written. People should read it. Um, is we still started some drama, uh, with the team. When, yes. when she forgot to include uh, bad B- Baji, uh, because his picture was like only on Twitter and not on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, he had the same dop kit as Kenneth Vermeer. Yes. Oh. So hey, we already uh, had we had the data. We had the data. It just wasn't fully fleshed out. Well, uh, speaking of making people mad, I, I do want to talk about this. The Who is coming to TQL Stadium. They're playing in a uh, uh, playing a historic concert. They have not been back to Cincinnati I think since an an historic an historic uh, concert. I mean, look, they haven't been back since I think it was 1979. Like 13 people died in a crush that caused the banning of festival seating in Cincinnati for decades. I think they had just recently repealed that ban. Um, 
it was a tragic moment that is forever tied to one of the biggest rock bands of all time and our city. And the fact that the team is coming back and or the the band is coming back and playing at TQL Stadium is a massive deal. TQL Stadium was built to make ownership money. This is, dare I say, the downside of a privately funded stadium is that it needs to recoup the costs more so than a uh, publicly funded stadium. And uh, big concerts are going to get a, get in the way of the season when uh, – the MLS season goes from February to December, so I don't know where you were supposed to put all of the events, but um, I feel like it was always going to happen in the middle of the, the season. But uh, Grayson, am I being a birding apologist by thinking this isn't a big deal? Uh, I want to say no, but I also want to maybe have some drama, so yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, you're being a birding apologist. Okay, um, good. <laughs> everyone knows that... that that what happened was the schedule came out, and after the schedule came out, Birding went to various rock bands and figured out, okay, who is available on a day when we have a game? <laughs> and he picked the Who because they were available on the day that we had a game against Toronto. I, don't I guess know. it had to well, be. He, also, he yeah. also led off with the statement, who is available on the day we play that game. So that kind of boxed right, he'd already He'd already promised it, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, I think that I'm pretty sure that's how the timing worked, that the schedule was already out. Yes. And he said, I want to just really uh, screw over the new guys because I don't want Albright to succeed too much because people are going to say I should have stopped meddling sooner. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is still meddling, right? So yeah. oh. everybody's happy. Who fans are happy? Uh, people that hate Jeff are happy. That uh, that 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 he's he's meddling and screwing with the team and the Jeff apologists who uh, draw a paycheck for putting out this podcast are happy because they get not another opportunity to carry his water. Yeah. How do you think the post hosting fees are paid for? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Come on. You think I got fifteen dollars a month for this? Get yeah. out of here. Follow the money. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Don't need to be Alex Jones to figure this conspiracy out. But follow the real U.S. currency, not the not the crypto because. You'll just follow that down a hole. Right. All, all my money is in uh, Luna, which I think went under a penny today, despite being pegged to the dollar yeah. uh, two months ago. So that's You know nice. else is pegged to the dollar? The dollar. Oh, damn. <laughs> I am my own reserve currency. <laughs> all of my apes are gone. Help. <laughs> oh man, how many slurp juices do I need to drink <laughs> to get my to get my crypto bucks back? Um, so is that the new name for the self-made rosé? It's slurp juice. Slurp juice. It has to be. Oh my god, slurp juice is red and white mixed. I'm sure it has a hundred <laughs> names already. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> oh juice. man. No, I, the, uh, the schedule's going to change. The, the MLS schedule changes all the time. Uh, that's the reason yeah, we're already why we playing didn't... Seattle in Yeah, we're already playing Seattle in yeah. September. Like, we'll be... That's this CONCACAF Champions League caused fixture congestion when we're in the middle of our playoff push. It happens. Yeah. And that's a relatively new thing that MLS lets CONCACAF Champions League teams reschedule league games. They used to not let them do that and then was trying to figure out why all the MLS teams sucked when they were playing four games in the span of two weeks trying to win against Liga MX sides that are in mid-season form while uh, MLS is trying to do this in the preseason. Um, no, and it's going to change again. Just 
warning everybody now, it's going to change again. They're going to host a college football game. They're going to host another concert. They're going to host something, a rugby game. Uh, apparently, the U.S. is getting the rights a to both Premier the men's and women's League team. Oh, dare a, a summer friendly series come here? Um, it's going to happen again. And this is, again, dare I say downside of a privately funded stadium. But each one of these events that are either good for the community or make ownership money hopefully translates into more money spent on the roster. If these but events like, at, dry at certain, up. At a certain point, though, you have to make peace with the fact we're Cincinnati. Okay. We're not New York. We're not Miami. We're not Los Angeles. The amount of discretionary um, income opportunities that are available for FC Cincinnati aren't the same as they are on the coasts or in bigger markets. It's You're seeing the result of that down with the fruit salesman and his baseball team down on the river where <laughs> he doesn't want to invest personal money in what's going on. So the only money that's you know being spent on the roster is what's coming in on the front door in terms of revenue. So far... Uh, Linder and the ownership group have been very willing to spend, but if you want that to continue, you've also got to let ownership go make its bag. And if they're not raising ticket prices to compensate for additional spending on the roster, which good on them as a person that buys tickets and also good on them because the team sucks and raising prices when the team sucks is always shitty optics, but they're going to have to do other shit to make some money to make up for the fact that we're a small market in MLS. And we punch way above our weight on salary compared to other teams that are in comparably sized cities. So yeah, they're going to have to do some shit to creatively bring more money in the front door. And if the price of that is a slightly congested week of games and us punting on an open cup game, fine. I mean, if that's what, what gives them the okay to bring Nwoboto in, or if that's what gives them the okay in the offseason to say, we're going to launch Brenner and bring in someone that's a more productive on the field DP, then these are these are good things. I, 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 want, I, I don't want Cincinnati to fall into this pattern of we can only spend at this level right yep. here. Yep. I want ownership thinking of other ways that they can creatively make the money necessary to spend at they're never going to spend at LAFC levels or LA Galaxy levels. I get that. But they're going to have to spend at a certain level, especially if they want to overpay to bring some people in who would prefer to live in New York or Miami or LA or a bigger city. So, yeah, bring the who on. Let the olds come down. Let the boomers have a night out at TQL Stadium. Maybe a couple of them go there and they decide, hey, over the Rhine isn't so scary. I don't have to believe what I'm hearing on the radio all the time. Maybe I should come down and check a game out. Maybe there's a good that comes from that too. You know, book another concert later in the year for maybe, you know, Gen X or Gen Z or my generation or host a college football game, bring a friendly in, do, make more use of the building. It, it's absurd that we build these sports stadiums and they sit vacant for so many days a year. Monetize it. That's If you aren't going to monetize the building, you should have just stayed at Nippert and you should have been a mid-level, lower mid-level MLS team competing with Philly on the roster every year. That's not what we wanted to do. That's part of why you build a soccer-specific stadium that you own. Because yeah. you get to you get to hold other events, you get to control revenue for those types of things, and like I know I've, I've I know I've heard some people say, well, <clears throat> we spent all this money to build a soccer stadium, and its primary purpose is for soccer, and yeah, that's true, but it like it fucking sucks, man. 
to say like this thing has to sit empty other than 17 days a year like it's you put this spaceship in this historic neighborhood that's like right next to over the rhine really close to downtown off the streetcar stop make it part of the community by hosting as many events there, frankly, as as you could reasonably have. I mean, you got to take care of the grass. You got to make sure that you're not moving games like all the time. But it, I don't, I don't love single use sports stadium as a matter matter of principle. Anyway, to be honest, I understand why we had to do this here, and I was fully supportive of it, and it, and it's great. But man, that's such a terrible attitude. I think to, and yeah. you know, you can have you can have whatever opinion you want to have, and I, I just. I just disagree with it. I think that it should be a. I think it should be a useful, you know, piece of piece of infrastructure. I'll give you a hot take. I think if it was a band other than the Who, if it wasn't a boomer band, I think the fan base would be way way cooler with it. I think if they were bringing in somebody like, um, God, I don't even know, like who's popular right now with the with the youth. Like if they were bringing in like Kendrick, is he still popular? I don't know. He's dropping an album at midnight. Are you kidding me? Come Jack on. Harlow. Is Jack Harlow somebody <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to know about? Billy, yes. Billy Eilish. Billy I- yes. William Eilish. If they're bringing William Eilish in, then... Oh, I, 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 Irish I, folk singer. Right. <laughs> or if they were doing what Columbus does with like the Rock on the Range thing, what they used to do at Crew yeah. Stadium, if there was like some music like festival that was playing here, I don't think people would bitch. But no. you make it a band that their dad listens to that... Um, it doesn't seem targeted at at soccer demographics. I I think that I think there's a little bit of ageism that's playing into this too. I mean, yeah, the oh. national were supposed to be bringing back their their festival they do in the spring, and I guess that didn't mm-hmm. happen. But you know, if that if that was happening at TQL, I I'd be there. You know, like I'd be be all about that. If you put a if you put a tarp down or you you put the plastic down with the the block stuff they use for concerts on the field. And you had like a beer fest of all the Cincinnati breweries and regional breweries at TQL Stadium. I don't think people would bitch about that. They think you that's could, a cool use of the facility. You could even do that not on the grass. You could just do it in the concourses and use the stadium as seating um, and play like videos or movies or something up on the uh, on the big screen. Absolutely. You could turn the first financial club into a sort of street-facing restaurant as well, if you wanted to do something as like a block party and shut down Central in front of there or put something on the steps uh, facing Central and put the stage up there. There's a bunch of different ways you could utilize TQL Stadium as a community asset that doesn't necessarily impact the grass. But, uh, oh, by the way, everybody rooting for and hoping for a women's team, an NWSL team, that's going to have an impact on the MLS team at some point as well. There will be double headers. There will be double uh, game days on on weeks and in midweeks, and it's going to put twice as much wear and tear on the grass. So, um, yeah, if your thought was that this was going to be a pristine chapel for uh, for FC Cincinnati for only seventeen days out of the year, plus well, I, uh, I, I, a playoff part, game, yeah. Part of the thing too is the idea that okay that. We couldn't host the Open Cup, which I don't think they would have bid to host it again anyway, with the way the crowd was for it. <laughs> right. But I, I get the idea. Okay, I, I'll you know give the other side their due here that it's forcing the team to travel more, and it seems like that's something that everybody talks about as, as a difficult thing here. But you have to understand that if you want to book these events, you've got to book them months, years in advance. 
But this Who yes. concert was probably booked last fall or last summer. Um, these, these, I think we've talked about this on here before, but like venues get holds placed on them a year plus in advance. And it's a binary thing. There isn't a reality where we want to use the stadium to make extra money for the team to, so that they can reinvest back in what they're doing to use the stadium more. But we only want to do it if we can book them after MLS releases their schedule in Fuck, they released it late this year, like January, yeah. I think is when the schedule yeah. released. So yeah, you can only book events after MLS releases the schedule in January. That's just not realistic. It's it's a in this case, it's a binary thing. Either you're gonna use the building for other events and occasionally it's gonna conflict with a, a game or with something you're trying to do, or you're not gonna use the, the 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 stadium for anything unless you can fit it in and find things that wanna work on that kind of a timetable that's just not realistic it's it's not and so fuck bring concerts make money and Use to carry to carry a little more water yeah so jeff scheduled the who and it made us move a game have slightly more congestion at the beginning of the season and have to travel maybe one extra game for the open cup if we would have bid for that game anyway which is not a guarantee by any means but you know what we didn't have to do ever play 11, 12, 13 games on the road to start the season because the stadium wasn't ready till June, July. Which how about is this? What you're, which is we what never, you've seen from most of these MLS teams when they build a new stadium. Kansas or City, NY, NYCFC, Nashville. where they, they play games at their rivals' home stadium. Like NYCFC, they, got, they were supposed to play a game at City Field, a different baseball stadium, and then because baseball had a lockout, they had to move that game to Red Bull Arena. They literally have to go play in their, their rival's home stadium because their setup sucks and they don't own their own facility. Uh, no, I don't want that shit. If we'd have stayed at Nippert, we'd have to schedule around UC football. And if UC football had a game flexed for ESPN for some reason, we'd have to alter our schedule for that too. Yeah. New York City, by the way, had to play a home game this year at LAFC's Bank of California Stadium. That actually happened. Yep. That, is, that is a home game that they had in LA. Insanity. Um, that's probably enough about the who. I don't know. <laughs> we can, I don't know. Yeah. We could do a whole second hour on the who. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I do want to touch on uh, one more thing very quickly here. Uh, locker rooms. The uh, the media will be allowed back into MLS locker rooms to interview players. And I only want to bring this up uh, because of this. I don't like that. And I might be alone in that. And this might be an anti-journalism take. But it's weird. It feels like a weird invasion of privacy. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it adds anything to my consumption of of content. And it's not a practice done anywhere else in the world, just in the United States. Super weird. I, I don't know if I'm alone in this take. I don't know if this is a bad take. Um, but I... The only time I think it's funny, and I brought it up in the intro, is when uh, Dave Lapham is trying to do live radio. I imagine he's carrying a giant camcorder recorder in his hand and like trying to like run up. A, oh, oh! I think I think I see Chase over there. Let me let me run over there and get. It's like it's the funniest thing ever. Um, he's always whispering into the microphone too. It's like, oh, we got Jamar Chase over here. Hey, it's Jamar. Like- uh, Dave Lapham here. Tell us what you were going through. That was a big play for you guys on fourth down, wasn't it? It's it's a David Attenborough nature documentary, but it's Dave Lapham in a, in a NFL locker room. It's the best. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's weird and invasive. So I, I don't I, know I if I'm alone. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, that 
that journalists feel pretty strongly that it it makes their job easier. It lets them get better content because they get to you know develop a, a better rapport, yeah, and get more access to players. Um, it is a good point that it's not done uh, in foreign leagues, and you've you see lots of stories about foreign players coming and like not understanding that journalists are going to be in their in their locker room space. Yeah. Um, it strikes me as a little weird that there's an expectation that you get to like follow professionals into the bathroom to interview them. Yes. Like when when people in, when people follow, <laughs> um, like what, what what's that? Yes, it's like crazy ladies. Kristen Cinema, like some activists followed her into the bathroom and were like yelling at her about whatever whatever thing she did. Um, that was viewed by people up in D.C. as this big old um, as as this big taboo. And I right. understand a, it's been you explained put a to me. Sports jersey on her though, and all of a sudden it's like no, they're just a reporter trying to get a story in the locker room, right. little well, locker to, room talk. So I, I, this is potentially a dangerous question. Do do men journalists go into like NWSL locker rooms and U.S. Women's National Team uh, I know, locker rooms? I don't. I don't know for sure. My gut tells me they don't. I do know this was a controversy with the Bengals back in the 90s, maybe even before then, where the Bengals had kicked out or banned female journalists from the from the Bengals locker room. Yeah, they got struck on that one real fucking yep. yeah. quick. Yep. So, but yeah, I, like, like I said, my gut is that the NWSL wouldn't allow that or, or would frown upon it, but probably not formally ban it with it's, men it's going one of those- in there. It's one of those weird things where it's like like most <coughs> sports media traditions in America, it's baseball based. It's all from baseball. Yeah, and right. it's all from the fact that you would have a newspaper beat writer who would just follow the team on the road for an entire summer. And there was this expectation of, well, of course I get to go down into the locker room and talk with the players. That's how I get my story. There wasn't uh, cameras or live crews or anything like that. It was literally just a guy with a notepad going down there and he would talk to, you know, covering the Yankees. He talked to Mickey Mantle and he talked to Roger Maris. And, you know, there would be an understanding that the first five minutes of the conversation are for the story that I got to file with the New York times. The next 15 minutes, are you venting to me about how much you hate your teammate about who was out drunk the night before in Mickey's (laughs) case, it was him, but, um, but who was causing the team to suck. And that's where you got the stories of the the players don't like the manager. And that, that was the whole basis of that locker room culture. And it slowly sort of slid to where now it's cameras. It's Dave Lapham with his roving microphone and headset. And it's kind of, we've lost the thread a little bit as to what the original purpose of reporters in the locker room was supposed to be, where it, it was l- more about, like you said, building relationships. I'd argue that in this situation specifically, that the NFL does not need it. Uh, okay. Major League Baseball probably needs it. The NBA definitely doesn't need it. But a sport like MLS, MLS should be looking to create as much access as possible. Yeah, They should be absolutely. going over the top to accommodate anyone with a media credential that says you want to come into the locker room and talk to the players as long as you're professional 
You're not asking for autographs. You're not behaving like a dipshit. If you want to come and you want to meet these guys and provide content out there for your listeners or your readers, fuck, MLS should should triple down on as much as you want. Anyone that is willing to write about this league or make the stars and the players more accessible to the fan base, fuck. Like, they should be the league that is throwing the locker room doors wide open and telling the players, I don't care what it's like where you're from. Where you're from over in other countries, soccer's the king, and we don't need to sell tickets or sell people on the virtue of loving this game. In America, we've got to sell people on why you should pay attention to us versus all these other sports that are command- that are demanding your attention. And fuck, in the strange sort of way, even though it's not done anywhere else, MLS is the one league where it absolutely makes sense to give people way more access to the dressing room than any other league. Yeah, and I, I want to be clear, like it. What I was saying was, it strikes me as strange when I just like sit back and. And oh, it's look bizarre. At, and, You're and absolutely right it, about right? that. But <laughs> if it's, if I understand it's it's a convention, you know, and if if it's a convention that everybody's kind of come to accept, and it does make you know the the journalist job easier, and they can give us better better content, um, a be- better insight and a look into you know who these players are as people, then like obviously this is good news. And here's the trade-off, too, is that in America, we let them follow you into the bathroom, but the trade-off is they don't follow you home like journalists (laughs) do elsewhere in the world, is that you get to, as soon as you leave the dressing room, you leave your place of employment. In this country, people leave you the fuck alone. Nobody cares who half these people, like most of these people are. Over in Europe, if you're the star player on any given team, they follow you home. They're taking pictures when you're having dinner and shit like that. Like, we'll leave you alone, but you got to let us into the bathroom with you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point, and uh, you know maybe that's my new take: is that uh, we should get the journalists out of the bathrooms and into the uh, the front porches of these players. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never believe what Brandon Vasquez was grilling out for dinner last night at his house with a dress of. <laughs> I I will say that is uh that is one form of British tabloidism that I do love are the candid photos of players driving to training and like the cars they're in or the weird outfit that they wore and it makes a news cycle. I mean, come on, I I could use a little bit of that in my life. You're lucky we're <laughs> running long on this podcast because we could probably do another half hour on the. Have you followed the Vardy uh, situation that's going on over there? The trial that's happening. Oh for- man, that's that's uh, that's interesting, but it's. It's not let, let's let's table that for when it's when it's you know fur, further along when we're uh when we play the the new york not rhino rochester team in mls next and uh he's when leicester to city be come, when leicester city comes over here for a friendly huh oh, uh-huh. oh i like it oh. <laughs> oh, i have it no insider information on that but eyeball emojis anyway yeah, I mean, with all of the summer friendlies being announced and the fact that we made our mark with a big summer friendly, I would be shocked if we didn't get some version of a friendly. Uh, my vote would be for a, a Liga MX team to come over. That seems like it would be way more appealing and more useful marketing-wise, but that's just me. Um, I think this, this city proved pretty conclusively that if it's not an English language speaking team, they're going to have a tough time moving tickets. Oh, okay, but hear me out. Club America versus Leicester. I mean, you get to double dip, merge those worlds, baby. (laughs) 
Who do you root for? Do you root against America? That's just not going to fly on the West Side. <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, so many confused fans. <laughs> Almost as confused as the fan base of Marvel movies when there was a character literally named America who was an illegal immigrant whose power was breaking through borders with a uh, portal to shape like a star. <laughs> that joke would hit harder if either one of you had seen Doctor Strange. Oh, man. Oh, I, man. I'm I've behind. Not... I'm behind. <laughs> no. Look, here's the problem. The, it, they didn't make the, the No Way Home available uh, via rental or streaming until way late. And uh, and hashtag as a parent. Um, that's hard to do. And I can't go jumping into Doctor Strange without having seen that. So it's a whole thing. You probably could get away with it. WandaVision. <sighs> you got to see WandaVision first, I'd... which is a... Now, Love see, me some more. As a parent. Okay, you saw that. Okay, we're good then. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm up to date if they make the content available to me. If not, if it's not in the theater, I should say, I, I can consume it. Boy, in hindsight, we could have made, made our guest segment this week just Grace and I debating about Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds, like we do <gasps> on our side group chat that we've got going on. <laughs> Str- Strange New Worlds has been pretty good through two episodes. I'll well, I haven't seen that. the second episode yet. So uh, Discovery, I'm way behind because that show sucks. It can't oh possibly be God. worse than it, I haven't watched. No, the Picard season. is by far Picard, the worst. Picard is terrible. Picard. Oh is. my God. <laughs> Oh my God! Kevin oh and the podcast—we're losing people now. Oh my God! I was going to say I don't oh. know if either of you have seen the Halo show, but the first episode lost me forever. I'm not coming back. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not a Halo hardcore guy. There's novels and whatever else people get really into the story, but uh, my Which God, is fucking, it's, a, it's fucking weird. Like Halo was here's a thing that's not human. Point the trigger and shoot it. I didn't need more of a story than that for that game. I, that, like there's games where it's like, yeah, let me dive deep into the lore on this like mass effect right into my veins halo i just want to see things blow up and i want to kill aliens i don't need to know much more beyond that i don't need books i don't need a tv show (laughs) fucking character doesn't speak the entire game who cares i don't game i'm not a nerd i watch star trek (laughs) 